is an ABC podcast. It might contain rude words. For the next half hour, everything in this podcast is strictly based on the available facts. Welcome back to Finding Desperado. This is a story about trickery, lost films, and possibly fake Guinness World Records. I'm Cameron James, and over the last two reels, my friend Alexi Teleopoulos and I have been trying to find the 1973 film Lex the Wonder Dog by the youngest filmmaker in the world, Lord Sidney Ling. We've been inundated by countless shell websites, blog spots filled with mystical manifestos about this former child prodigy. And we've been famously stonewalled by those pencil pushers at Guinness World Records, pushing us down with the world's largest pile of pencils. But finally, we found a private website, sydneyling.com, and messaged them, requesting access. Within an hour, they replied. did you say? Hello, my name is Cameron James. I'm trying to contact Sydney Ling for a podcast project about film and would love the opportunity to be put in contact with him. Is this Sydney Ling? An hour later, I got a reply. What does he say? This is she. <laughs> what? Though I am a girl. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> I'm sorry, what's going on? That's the reply I got. This is she, though I am a girl, exclamation mark. This is... This is she, though I am a girl. So then I replied... Hi again, I'm trying to get in touch with the Dutch filmmaker Lord Sidney Ling, who directed the movie Lex the Wonder Dog in 1973 and was awarded a prestigious Guinness World Record. Long shot, but are you the same Sidney? (laughs) That's hilarious! Unfortunately, no. I'm a 27-year-old girl from Atlanta who's a graphic designer and web developer. (laughs) So this is someone else's private work portfolio that we've come across. Yeah, and uh, she kept going. She sent the (laughs) longest email. (laughs) Unfortunately, none of my work has so far earned me a world record. (laughs) I can tell you a bit about the names, Sydney and Ling. Oh, no, thank you. Interestingly, Sydney spelled with a Y instead of Sydney spelled with an I is typically the girl's version of the name. There are a few disputed origins of the name Sydney, though most often historians cite the French Saint-Denis as the origin of the name. Okay, thanks, Sydney. Saint-Denis was a Christian martyr. Around the 3rd century, maybe 4th, I could be wrong, he was the Bishop of Paris. He was so successful at converting non-Christians to Catholicism, he was ordered to be beheaded. After Saint-Denis was beheaded, it is said that his body picked up his head, which was reciting a sermon. His walking body held his speaking head for several miles before collapsing, dead. Still going. Well, my last name, Ling, is of Chinese origin. It makes much more sense that your Lord Sydney Ling's surname is of English or Nordic origin. I'm not sure how much any of that information may be helpful to you. Maybe you'll be able to trace his lineage with that information. Best of luck to you, and thanks for reaching out. The other Sydney Ling. 
So uh, thank you, the other Sydney Link, for giving me that incredibly unprovoked history and etymology. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. And to be honest, I do think it is a little bit more helpful than even the great IMDB has been at this point. You are right. We spoke to Martin last week and Mm. he had a different name for Sydney Ling, like a name that he was born under. Do you remember what it was? Sydney Mulder Clipping de Rosiel. Do you think that there's a reason why he would have chosen this name? I mean, it sounds exotic, doesn't it? And Sydney says at the end of her email there that her surname is Chinese of origin. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's part of it, that it sort of, it sounds a little bit exotic. It sounds like it's not from Holland. But you know, the Netherlands is not the only location in this story. As of last week, we learned a lot about a beautiful, magical island in the sun called Ibiza. We did indeed. I wanted to know a little bit more about Ibiza. So I joined an Ibiza chat room. <laughs> Wait, let me stop you there. You went to a chat room? Did you travel back to 1998? <laughs> the last known appearance of Sydney League? Well, there's actually a very active chat room for Ibiza called Ibiza Spotlight. <laughs> it's really active. Really active. There's like Ibithan chat room. <laughs> That is really active in 2020. People are using it every day. They're updating like what they miss about Ibiza, what they love about Ibiza. And I did a little bit of a, a search mm-hmm. and believe it or not, it came up with quite a few stories that people have posted. Cameron, dust off some of these little posts for me and see what's going on in the Paleolithic era of Ibiza culture. Okay, so this first one is a drawing of Salvador Dali that's signed by Sydney Ling. And the comment underneath it is... Ah, the smell of garlic and olive oil. People are sitting outside having their lunch in the small streets of Ibiza town at La Marina. Salvador Dali would have lunch with the young fixer, communicator, and child pioneer consultant, Lord Sidney Ling. The beginning of a relationship which Dali called Molinteresante. I mean, that paints a beautiful picture of what Ibiza is, and it sounds like Sidney Ling is amongst the upper crust there. Another one. Who is Sidney Ling? No living being has his experience. Another post. The Ibiza dog saver. The street dogs of Ibiza. Wunderkind, Lord Sidney Ling from Ibiza. One of the most remarkable individuals of our time. Lord Ling, if you're reading this, get involved in this forum. Does anyone know of Lord Ling's doings before he left Ibiza? I've never seen anything anywhere about Ling that wasn't obviously written by Ling himself. Ego or delusion or just BS. So that's the thing, right? That is the Ling thing. Everything that I've read about him too has felt like it's written by him. Right. Do you feel like these boards are basically the equivalent of more blog spots? These all seem like real people. They've all done other posts about other things, not Mm. just Sydney Ling. The writing style is different on all of them as well. But I was also a little unsure about that. I thought maybe Ling's in here as one of these people. So I decided to go undercover (laughs) on on the Ibiza Spotlight. Forums. Why are you laughing at me? I just think it's so weird that you, Cameron James, where everything that you mocked me about last time that I was leading an investigation, you are now diving headfirst into lost Ibethan chat rooms that are somehow still active. I've not in 2020. I'm 
digging up information, man. <laughs> I am deep. I am a goddamn detective. Okay, why are you undercover? Well, I don't want to use my real name. Oh, Cameron James is in here. <laughs> well, they might go. They might. They might go. He's a comedian or he's a podcaster. Cameron's making fun of the Ibethan forums. <laughs> So I wanted to be respectful, so I decided to use a fake name and fake profile. Okay, what's this? The name is Quince Noy. <laughs> <laughs> profile picture I've chosen is a, a very handsome picture of Ray Romano with glasses. <laughs> so it doesn't so totally, it looks smart. It doesn't totally look like Raymond. <laughs> Everybody's going to love you in there. <laughs> That's the thinking behind it. People are like, this guy's a sports journalist in here. we got to trust him. Well, funny you should say that because they make you put an occupation. My occupation is sports journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be like a real poster. So I started commenting and posting on all sorts of different... <laughs> you tried to blend in first rather than just asking about Ling? Yeah, I didn't want them to think that I'd come here specifically to look up Ling, so I did... Oh, my spend... gosh. How many days were you, like, embedded in this forum before you started posting? Over the course of about 16 days. <laughs> I thought you were going to say two days. <laughs> I really thought you were like, oh, two days. 16 days you were embedded. <laughs> You were embedded in the forest for 16 days, blending it, in. And looking at your face right now, I feel <gasps> insane. Is this too much? You've lost it. Well, read it to me, sunshine. Oh, Tell me what's going I'm on. I'm so embarrassed. Okay, on the hotel discussion page, people were all commenting their favorite hotels in Ibiza. And oh I, com I commented, mine has to be the Hostel Torres. <laughs> I had a great time there in, I think, 08 or 09. Oh, the twins weren't born yet, so it must have been 09. <laughs> <laughs> My former wife and I spent a lot of time indoors that trip, if you know what I mean. Ha, ha, ha. So in this world as well, Ray and Deborah have broken up, and this is the fan fiction that you're writing in these forums. I don't know what happened, but it, like a story started coming out at me. I honestly can't explain it. Oh, my God, Cameron, who are you? I'm Quince Noy, sports journalist, <laughs> father of two twins, and ex-lover of Deborah. <laughs> Actually, a few people started asking about my ex-wife on here. Mm -hmm. I forgot on the thread called Romantic Spots in Ibiza, and everyone's commenting their favorite romantic places on the island to go for a picnic or a date or whatever. Everyone, including <laughs> yourself? Well, I, I commented, oof, Marone, this thread is making me <laughs> jealous. Reading all these posts is giving my heart pangs for my former wife. <laughs> I closed my eyes and I can still see the salt on her cheeks. And then someone replied to me, ex-wife, sorry to hear that. And then I replied, yeah, still friends though, or try to be for the little ones. Are you separated? And then he replied, nah, mate, still living the dream. Wow. That is heartbreaking for me as a friend of someone who has lost their mind and I wasn't there to help them. I, I think it was all worthwhile because I had a few interactions like that. That legitimizes me on the boards. And so last night, I finally took the leap and started my own thread. Hey, I've heard of an amazing filmmaker and Ibiza legend called Lord Sidney Ling. Allegedly, he's a big art figure in Ibiza and even directed a film at the age of 13 but I can't find much more information about him beyond hearsay. Does anyone here have any info or personal stories about him? Now I just have to wait for the replies to roll in. <laughs> well, good luck to you and Thank good luck you. to us. Well, tell me if I'm losing my mind right now because I found something from 22 December 2010 mm -hmm. that I want your brain on. Okay. This is a comment. Just to announce the engagement of Nancy Miracle... 
Marilyn Monroe's daughter, mm. and Lord Sidney Ling. They've been engaged since August of this year, but have been keeping it a secret. They met originally on Ibiza. As far as I know, when Marilyn Monroe passed away, her estate was not held by her family. Okay. Her estate was held by Lee Strasberg, the acting teacher, and his family. She doesn't have progeny. Well, according to that comment, she does. She has a daughter called Nancy Miracle, and that name comes up again about 12 days later with a comment from a, a completely different person. Hi, I just read some of the nonsense here about the so-called daughter of Marilyn Monroe on Ibiza. <laughs> Pretending to be engaged to Lord Sidney Ling. Oh, he's sceptical on a different side of things to me. <laughs> well, to be honest, knowing Lord Sidney, who I have known since the late 70s and is a great person, would never get engaged to anyone, as he's known to be on his own. He may have his girlfriend, but he would never get engaged, as the vague announcement I saw on this site. I'm sure he would laugh at this as well. So... That's twice now that we're hearing about a supposed connection between Nancy Miracle, mm. whoever she is, and Lord Sidney Ling. Yeah, I've got that tingle, dude. I've got that tingle. It all sounds weird to me. I've just Googled Nancy Miracle and there's a lot of hits straight away, far more than we've had with Sidney Ling. Mm. It's overwhelming. There's so many pictures of her that have come up straight away. There's pictures of her juxtaposed with Marilyn Monroe. There could be a resemblance, but Nancy Mascalco Miracle, that's an Italian name. She looks very Italian. It says here that she's written a book from Sardis to Sicily, the biography of Marilyn Monroe. She wrote a book. I found an Amazon link to this book. <laughs> You're going to buy it now. I'm going to buy this book. How much is it? $46.82. I got to add $2.18 to qualify for free shipping on this thing. I'm going to pay $10 over there. All right, give me a minute. I'm going to have to find some stuff to fill up my cart. From Sardis to Sicily The Biography of Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn's Secrets. 50 years after her death. We've got the book. Yes. I've gone through it over and over at this point. Yeah, you're obsessed with it. I didn't know that Marilyn Monroe had kids. I know there's a lot of conspiracies out there about her relationships with certain presidents and her death, but this secret child one was brand new to me. My first thought, honestly, is that this is a hoax. Mm. And if Nancy Miracle is engaged to Lord Sidney, maybe that implies that he's a hoax too. And that they've met on that magical island in the sun, uh -huh. Ibiza, that from what we found is that special place where you really can escape and be whoever you really want to be. So this lady is the closest real human connection to Lord Sidney that we've encountered. They might even be freaking married. They might be Ray and Deborah of Ibiza. <laughs> So this could be a good step closer to him. Lex, you've read the book. Do you think Nancy is a fabulist? Mm, well, Cameron, the Oxford Dictionary via Google.com <laughs> defines fabulism as a person who composes or relates fables or a liar, especially one who invents elaborately dishonest stories. But with Nancy Miracle, there's something else here that feels much more raw and honest and something I I really haven't encountered in our exploration of fabulists. This is something really different. 
I've got the book here with me right now. All right, let me see it. Wow. Okay. First thing I'm noticing is that this is a much slimmer volume than the Guinness Book of Records. We're back in our comfort zone. Strange books, not many pages. It has the title written on here. It's written on here twice, actually. (laughs) It's written once vertically, once horizontally in uh, what I can only describe as the default Word doc font. Um... (laughs) Also, you know, if I had one note as the editor of this, I'd say add a few more colons to the title of this. <laughs> You've got a couple of colons in there. Let's bump it up to at least four. And then on the back, there's a bit of a blurb. Marilyn's secrets are revealed for the first time 50 years after her death. The author has researched and documented the human being behind the image. And through chapters and two plays... The author unravels not only the mysteries about her life, but her death. That's very confusing because that's Mm. all written as one long sentence just with commas between every phrase. Mm. So that was really hard for me to read. Yes, I'll tell you, it is very hard to read. Skim through the book, describe what you see in the book. Okay, it's very different to what I thought it was going to be. It's sort of um, formatted like a script, like a screenplay. It's not prose. So there's characters and they have dialogue. And now it's changing again. It changes to like a play or something. There's stage directions. Keep looking through. And uh, now it's changed yet again to almost like journalism. It's an account, a report or something of this woman's life. Now, Cameron, hit up page 116. I think this is a key detail for us to look at. And tell us what you see on page 116. (laughs) It's just one word. And what does that word say? (laughs) The word is call. So it looks like the sentence was supposed to end on the previous page, but it spilled over onto the next page and now it's just one word. (laughs) Have you ever seen anything like that before? It kind of reminds me of Swarmer, to be honest. (laughs) I think that book... You know, I could have used an editor tidying a few things up here. I think this is a very sincere piece of art. Because there's no editor, Cameron, this is completely unfiltered. The emotions really do jump out of the page. So you really get the feeling that this is someone processing something that has been very difficult, a life that has been very difficult. Is there anything in here that backs up the claim that she's Marilyn Monroe's secret daughter? Uh, To be honest, I'm trying to tread really carefully here. I don't think it's my responsibility now to come in here with a red pen and prove or disprove Nancy Miracle's claims. This is a real person. What, What is it about? What happens in this book? Why don't we start at the very beginning? For my mother, Nancy Cusumano... 1920 to 1962. Who's Nancy Cusimano? Nancy Cusimano is the birth name of Marilyn Monroe. Not Norma Jean Baker? Not Norma Jean Baker. This book purports that Marilyn Monroe and Norma Jean Baker are both creations of Hollywood and that Nancy Cusimano was not white enough to be the American goddess that is Marilyn Monroe, which I think is tremendously fascinating. Nancy Cusimano, who you probably only know by her screen name, died in 1962. 2012 will mark 50 years since her death. Nancy Cusimano was my mother. 
I think it's interesting to hear a little bit about what Nancy's mission is with this book. I founded the Marilyn Monroe Foundation in 1985 and have documented her real life in court in two states. I have uncovered through research and endured great pain over the past 26 years the truth about my mother's death. She would be proud to have her heritage and real life celebrated as it was not permitted in her lifetime. I was reminded or told I was her daughter in 1985. Having had very complex happenings in my life, a Vietnam veteran who I was working with on a screenplay came shouting into my room, you are Marilyn Monroe's daughter. And I, knowing the truth, mind reeling from it, accepted what I maybe knew all of my life. She became Norma Jean Baker the day she became Marilyn Monroe and had to publicly disavow her Italian family and heritage. In reality, she was born to two Sicilian parents in a small coal mining town in Illinois. I think this passage is a perfect encapsulation of everything that this book does. It takes us into these recollections of a life imagined. In the 50s, as a child, I'd go to Club Sardi's, above Sardi's restaurant, with my stepfather, Arthur Miller, and my mother. We'd enter through the adjacent building to the main entrance of the famed theatrical restaurant. I suppose I was destined to be a writer. My stepfather and Truman Capote, me and my mother's friend in those years to name a few. And Arthur Miller's play, little known in the States, A View from the Bridge, which opened in London and was adapted into an opera. The play relates vaguely to me and my mother and her family. It was written while my mother and Miller, although not wed yet, had already met. I know now through research that this play was based on the real story of my mother. It has to do with the Italian-American immigrants at a time just after World War II, when work and immigration were very difficult. One of the things that comes up quite a lot is Arthur Miller, one of Marilyn Monroe's husbands. Yeah, I had to Google that. I didn't know that. Specifically to this one play, A View from the Bridge, that play is kind of the key text in American media to what migrant life is really like. The way that Nancy describes it, it's like she's seeing her own life, almost like experiencing your photo album come to life. Hmm. And that to me is very beautiful. I'm very touched by that. In 1989, there was a headline in the National Examiner. Found Marilyn Monroe's secret love child. Nancy was involved in several lawsuits during this period with tabloids, newspapers, even the New Yorker, the magazine. You can easily find these court documents online. You can find the articles that mention her. I think it was a very difficult time in her life where she was trying to tell her story, but all these magazines and the press are basically accusing her of being crazy. Oh, that's, yeah, that's sad. It's a really hard life to live. 
They went on to say I was a dope fiend and an abused child. Seeing the headline made Jenny, my aunt mom, slip in the supermarket and break her hip. How dare they? They said I was born in the back of a drugstore in Los Angeles. Nothing true, only that I was Monroe's daughter. I found an attorney. He agreed to take my case on contingency. I was forced to settle out of court because of lack of funds, but we did win the libel. Does Sydney come up in the book at all? No. Right. But having said that, I think that it provides us with a greater understanding of Sydney Ling yep. by understanding the people that he was very close to. Everything about Nancy and her mother, Nancy Cusimano, could very well be true. It's just so diverging from what until now has been generally accepted as the historical life of the icon that is Marilyn Monroe. And that's really why I feel so much for Nancy. Mm. I mean, that's been her whole life and that's a really hard life. And in that time, the only examples of beauty and glamour on the big screen are really people like Marilyn Monroe, like Grace Kelly, and examples of beauty that are very white. I was very fortunate growing up in a time where I had books and films that were that mirror of my life. Heartbreak High, Saturday Night Fever, Head On. And the big one for me, of course, Looking for Alibrandi. Your favourite movie. My absolute favourite movie. I saw Looking for Alibrandi and I saw Pia Miranda in that film and I was like, that's me. That's my mum, that's my yaya, that's my whole existence. And I think Nancy's book is a very literal version of that otherness, that feeling of yearning to be seen. I think that's why Nancy's work is such a powerful example of outsider art. Mm. You seem genuinely emotional about this book. There's something to me that is very brave about someone that's making that fantasy into reality and living that fantasy in a very public way and living that art in a very public way. I mean, there's this book, there's the court cases and Cameron. There are so many Facebook pages dedicated to Nancy. How many? I lost count at 32. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the blog spots. There's even one called Sydney Ling and Nancy Miracle. Oh. That's got a lovely photo of them there together. Oh, my God. I messaged every single one of these pages. I got no replies. So I started messaging people that I thought were likely related to Nancy with the same last name, Maniscalco. I searched for weeks. And finally, I found a lady who is Nancy's cousin. And then after some time, she gave me Nancy's number. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're about to hear from Nancy Miracle. Oh, my God. Just so you know, Nancy's currently in hospital. She's just had a major hip surgery, so I didn't want to take up too much of her time. Hi. I'm Nancy Miracle. I'm an author. Nancy, I've been trying to track you down for ages, and I'm so glad I finally get to talk to you. I loved your books. I was so moved by them. And, yeah, you talked about in From Sardis that you were always destined to become a writer. Yes. When I was very young, I think it was my 16th birthday, my dad bought me a typewriter and he said, here, you write a book. That must have been so inspiring. Now that I look back on it, 
He was just telling me that's something you should do. When did you first meet our friend Sidney Ling? I met him in 79 on my first trip to Ibiza. He would have been a young man, right? Just early 20s or late teens? Maybe late teens, I don't know. What was he like back then? Nice guy. He knew Ibiza like the back of his hand. Sydney knows everybody in the world. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? He knew, um, what's his name, the guy from the Titanic. Leonardo? Yeah, and I think Mick Jagger. You met Mick Jagger? Oh, yeah, Mick Jagger lived on Ibiza. Could you talk to me about your friendship with Sydney Ling? Yes. How, how would you describe your relationship with him? He was a confidant. We were in love with each other for a while. Was Sydney Ling the one that got away? Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if he got away or I got away. It's better to have loved and lost than to have loved and won. Is it true that you and Sydney were engaged? Well, kind of. He asked me to marry him and I said yes, so I guess that's engaged. How did he propose? He was making dinner. And he just asked me, would you marry me? And I said, yes. But then things didn't work out? We didn't talk about it again, really. How many languages do you think Sydney speaks? Oh, a lot. A lot. At least 10. And he's absolutely fluent. Well, could I ask you, does Sydney Ling walk very fast? Yeah, pretty fast. <laughs> Is it the fastest walker you've ever seen? I don't know about that. I used to walk pretty fast, too, when I could walk. <laughs> oh, wait, just a minute. Someone's coming in. No worries. One minute. Hi, can we wait? That's where we had to end the conversation. She had a visitor. It was the day before her birthday, and she still found time to speak to me. That's sweet. But Nancy hadn't spoken to Lord Sydney in years. She had no current contacts for him at all. Still, it's incredible that you found her. Yeah, right, we found her. And she's very sweet and kind and a very cool lady. I'm so grateful that I got to speak to her about her life and art, even as short as that chat was. But still, it was a dead end. Maybe she's the only one we'll ever speak to who's even met Sydney Ling. Well, that might not be entirely true. I might know someone who's spoken to him a little more recently than her. You made fun of me a little while ago about my involvement in the Ibiza Spotlight chat rooms, mm. and they've paid off. Wow. Ray's got a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so just to recap for you, I posted a thread, who is Lord Sidney Ling? Mm -hmm. And I got about 20 replies. I don't know much about him. Was he a self-proclaimed lord or really a lord? Who is Sydney Ling? Cafe Sydney holds his name, someone told me. He saved the street dogs. Yes, I remember Lord Sydney. Blonde boy with blue eyes and very clever. He used to rescue the Ibiza street dogs in the mid-60s and saved people's lives from drinking absinthe. Not sure what happened to him or where he went. Greg. I believe in Lord Sydney Ling. Lord Sydney is, or was, quite a character always promoting and helping others. And he knew a lot of people. Greg. London 
bar in the West End often showcased these production on their screens, nightly in the early 2000s, and tastefully, I may add, a London bar used to screen Lex the Wonder Dog. I've chased this person up and they've not replied to any of my DMs. Ah, memory lane stuff. I remember when I broke my foot and I used to live up in Delta Villa. I could not walk. He came by every day to bring me food and drinks. He must have been like 12 years old. I owe him one. Gurg. I think he meant Greg. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure of it. <laughs> but that was a really lovely message. And this one really caught my eye. This is from someone called Justin, who says, I met Lord Sydney in Paris in 2010 after getting in contact through a production company in LA who put me in touch with his personal secretary. He took me on a tour of the Bourse district. He walked so fast, it was hard to keep up. That's our guy. Everyone knew him. We ate steaks and drank wine in a locals-type bar. He was definitely intent, in a good way. One of the best people I've ever met. Wow. I reached out to Justin. Oh. And we can call him right now. And uh, so this is interesting because he set off at, like, breakneck speed, and it reminded me of these things I'd read about him sort of always being... Hard, quite hard to keep up with his proper zooming around the streets, you know. That was reel three of Finding Desperado. Created by Alexi Toliopoulos and me, Cameron James. If you'd like to hear more from Alexi and I, please join us weekly on Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. This series was produced by Bryce Halliday, Consulting producer, Anna Brunowski. Featuring Ben Russell as the voice of Lord Sidney Ling. This episode also featured Alex Lee, Bjorn Stewart, Ivan Aristigetta, Ange Lavoipier, Daniel Sloss, and a special guest performance from Pia Miranda as Nancy Miracle. The series is mixed and sound designed by John Jacobs. Special thank you to Luke Hannigan. Thanks, Luke. Music by Luca Baroni-Peters. This is an ABC Audio Studios production. Executive producer Tom Wright. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. Sorry, there's a pigeon. He's just going to shoo the pigeon. Did you hear that? Sometimes we get pigeons in the back. Is it gone? Okay, I'm just going to do that again in case there was sound. Hey, it's Days Like These reporter Sam Wicks here. If you're loving Finding Desperado, Days Like These is an ABC podcast you need to hear. From the heartbreaking to the hilarious, every week... Days Like These introduces one regular human as they live through something wild. In the latest episode, you'll meet John Toogood, charismatic frontman for the rock band Shehard. At the turn of the millennium, Shehard were poised to take on America, but then history intervened. I mean, I turned on the TV and the second plane hit just as I turned it on, and all I remember was thinking, our name's a little bit like calling yourself Death to America. John spent his career infusing his band's stadium-sized songs 
with the atheism he was raised with. So when he fell in love with a Sudanese student, he was forced to wrestle with his identity and belief, and things he could never have seen coming. I remember I said to her, so you're telling me that if I want to marry you, which she was very taken aback by, I have to convert to Islam? And she went, well, yeah. Join us on Days Like These, a brand new ABC podcast born in these unprecedented times, telling the stories of ordinary Australians conquering extraordinary circumstances.